You're listening to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. Fellowship Baptist Church is located in Clark Lake, Michigan. Today we're very excited to have a special guest speaker with us. Now let's prepare our hearts as our special guest brings forth God's truth from His Word today. Last week we began a series of lessons here in February on the subject of revival. And we talked last week about what revival is all about, and we looked at Isaiah 57, uh, verse 15 primarily. Well, today I, I, want, I would like for you to turn in your Bibles with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. And today we're going to look at the need for, re, for revival in our pulpits. And, and, and please understand, as I'm talking about revival in the pulpits, I'm talking about across our land. Uh, we are so blessed to have a pastor who loves the Lord, loves the word, is bold in his preaching and preaches with power. And so that's what churches need across our land. So we're going to talk about revival in the pulpit. And so our text this morning that I just want to begin with is uh, chapter 2, 1 Corinthians, verses 1 to 5. Paul said, I, brethren, when I came to you, came not with excellency of speech or of wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. And my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power, that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Let's pray. Father, I am so thankful for the opportunity that we have today to be here in your house and to be able to open your word and study it. I thank you for the freedoms that we have in this country, and I pray that we will continue to have this freedom for, for many years to come. Father, I thank you for a pastor who loves you, who is faithful in studying and preaching the word and and bold in his proclamation of your word. I pray that you would bless him and his family, that you would have your hand upon them and continue to use them. I pray that you would fill me now with your Holy Spirit, that I would say only those things that you would want me to say. And Father, we would see Jesus today. And it's in his precious name we pray. Amen. I think it's safe to say that preaching today is in disrepute. People, people just don't like preaching today if they, if they ever really liked it at all. It's, it's uh, debatable in many areas. But certainly, they, many people detest the preaching of the Word of God today. And the sad fact is that there is an erosion, I believe, to, uh, or, or kind of a, an aversion, if you will, of, uh, of the preaching of sound doctrine, even in some of the churches that we would have typically thought of as fundamental churches. They're just a drifting away from teaching sound doctrine. Now, there are many reasons for that, and, and uh, we're not going to go into all of those reasons today. However, there's one reason that I believe people don't like preaching is that in many churches, it's simply boring. And that's a shame, uh, to take the Word of God and make it boring. 
Howard Hendricks used to say that it is a sin to make the Bible boring. In fact, there's an old saying that goes, when you're, you're drilling for oil and you hit it, stop boring. And, and I think sometimes as preachers, uh, we are guilty of not stopping boring when we hit the oil. Uh, and, and I'm sure that I'm guilty, just as others, of sometimes going on and on and on when I don't really have anything to say. I try not to allow that to happen very often, but, but we all would like to hear somebody who has something to say, but, but many a man has nothing to say, and he doesn't know when to stop saying it. He just continues on. Or again, it's like Howard Hendricks used to say that he has uh, the guy that, that really is preaching and doesn't know what he's doing, has no idea when to land the plane. He just keeps circling the field and trying to figure out how to, how to get this thing down and finish the sermon off. And so, <laughs> I, I put the disclaimer in already, Pastor. I'm <laughs> I love our pastor's preaching, and he can just keep on going. But, uh, but the, this idea of boring preaching was not known in the New Testament. And neither was this idea of boring preaching known during the times that there were great revivals across uh, our, our lands. And so last week we presented the issue of revival as when God comes in a very special sense, manifesting his presence to us and his power among his people, the Christian church. And then it has an overflow that benefits the unbelievers as well as the believers. So it begins in our lives and it spills out of us and it touches others. And it also touches whole communities as God shows up in our life that has also been known to touch even nations. And so let me, let me say that when that happens, there is no boring preaching. And that was what was going on in the New Testament era. So Paul, Paul could say there in 1 Corinthians that he didn't come to these people with wise philosophies and, and intellectual highbrow teaching. He said it wasn't in the, the wisdom of men, but the testimony of God in his life. He preached among them Jesus Christ and him crucified. He was weak among them, he said, in fear and in much trembling, and his speech and his preaching was not with the enticing words of man's wisdom, but in the demonstration of the Spirit of God and of power. In fact, Paul's enemies put him down. Uh, for being weak in body and speech, contemptible. He wasn't one of the world's greatest orators, though I am sure that he was a mighty preacher. I believe that he preached with power when he preached because he was filled with the Spirit of God and he had a passion for God. He didn't come to these people who needed Christ with great eloquence. He, he came with the power of God upon him. And that's what we need today. We need men in the pulpit who have the power of God upon them. We don't need men that, that, that has all of the eloquence of uh, man's wisdom and all of that, just men who are yielded to God, who will stand in the pulpit and preach with the power of God resting upon him. Amen. That's what we need today. And so the demonstration of God's spirit and power, our country need more preachers like our pastor. 
pastors that will preach the word with power and boldness and, and unapologetic about preaching what the word of God says. We need preachers, not boring ones. In fact, God deliver us from boring preachers, but we need spirit-anointed preachers like Paul and like the Lord Jesus Christ himself. Now, some people don't really understand that Jesus was a preacher. They think of him as, as a great teacher and all that, but he was really a preacher. In fact, Mark 1:14, we read that after John the Baptist was put into prison, that Jesus came into Galilee preaching, preaching the gospel of the kingdom. And so our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, was a preacher, and he preached repentance from sin, and he preached faith towards God. And yet many people in, in, in churches across our land today and around the world think that their methods are better than those that Jesus used. They come up with this idea that we need, we need more singing, more praise songs, more skits and videos and sermonettes and little talks, and, and, uh, and, and there's, no, there, there's no power there. We don't find any in those kind of churches any talk or preaching about hell and about sin and the need for repentance. We don't hear the kind of preaching like Jonathan Edwards preaching is the sinners in the hands of an angry God. That's not, that's not acceptable in churches across our land today. And sadly, in many churches today, more time is spent singing than preaching the Word of God. And yet God has ordained preaching as the avenue through which He works salvation. It's not through singing, and singing's great, and singing prepares us for the time that we're going to listen to the preaching the words when we have, have songs that are filled with, with biblical um, uh, backing to them but it's still the preaching of the word that we need in our churches. 1 Corinthians 1.21 says, For after that in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. The foolishness of preaching. And yet Christ-centered gospel preaching is very scarce today. Even in churches that preach the word, the gospel really isn't being preached. As, as, as God has given me the opportunity to preach his word for many years in, in churches uh, around here in America and even in other countries, there have been many times that I, I've heard people say, I haven't heard the gospel preached like that in years. And to tell you the truth, that breaks my heart. That breaks my heart. These are churches where they should be hearing the gospel being preached. And we need more preachers who will boldly proclaim Jesus Christ and him crucified. There are many preachers today who talk about nice things that, that happen in their community. They talk about how we need to just be happy and so on and all of that. But in 2 Timothy chapter 1, Paul said that he was anointed a preacher of the gospel and it was for that he suffered. He suffered. The devil has gotten men to talk about everything but Christ and him crucified. I firmly believe that in our preaching, if we do not get to the cross, we've wasted our time. And we've wasted the time of the people that come to listen to us.
Look at what Paul said in, there in 1 Corinthians, and just back up to verse, chapter 1 and verse 23. Paul says, but we preach Christ crucified unto the Jews a stumbling block and unto the Gentiles foolishness. Now, they, they couldn't understand this humiliating message that a man would die as, as a slave would die. As far as these people were concerned, the Jewish people, anybody dying on a cross was cursed of God. And they stumbled at this great preaching of the cross. It was, it was moronic to them. That's what the word means there, unto the Jews moronic. These guys, these guys that are preaching, they, they are morons for preaching about Jesus. Somebody died on the cross and that's the way to heaven. To the Greeks, it was foolishness. They looked at that and they listened to it. It was a message that was ridiculous as far as, far as they were concerned because they wanted strength in their God. They wanted, they wanted strength in their ways to heaven. They didn't, they didn't want weakness. They didn't want death. And yet Paul says, we preach Christ. We preach his person. We preach Jesus Christ. And that is my message to you today, that Jesus Christ alone and him crucified. That's his work. What he has done for you, what he's done for me, he died on the cross. He bled for our sins. And I'll tell you that that's what we need in our churches today. We need, we need churches that are, are making it very clear that there's one way to heaven, and that's through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. If, you have, if, you, if you're here today and you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, if you've never trusted in his shed blood on the cross of Calvary, what you need today is to see Jesus Christ and him crucified for you personally. And this is what, what happened during the revivals across the country. So much of the church can, can get taken up in so many other things. There are many churches out there today that, that spend the majority of their time talking about all of these other, other things. And, and what, we, what we need to happen in our churches is to put the non-essential things behind and just preach Christ and him crucified. In one of, one of Count uh, Zinzendorf's letter, he described the kind of preaching that was typical among the, the Moravians in the revival in 1727. He said, and I quote him, he said, our method in proclaiming salvation is this, to point out to every heart the loving lamb who dies for us. Never, either in discourse or in argument, to digress even for a quarter of an hour from the loving lamb. They spent their time looking at the lamb, looking at Jesus Christ and him crucified. And that's what Paul said they did. At the very beginning of the church, they preached Christ. It wasn't, it wasn't that they had a whole lot of other stuff to talk about. They wanted to just focus on Christ because that's where salvation is. That's where our power is. Isn't that what we need to hear today coming from the pulpits across our land? It's an Ethiopian eunuch who was coming from some festivals of sacrifices and God's Holy Spirit tapped Philip on the shoulder, an evangelist, 
and he said, I want you to go speak to him. I want you to look with me to the book of Acts. In Acts chapter 8, we find this account. And, and as Philip drew near, the Bible says that he heard the Ethiopian eunuch reading from Isaiah 53 about the cross. And we find that account in chapter 8 of the book of Acts in verse 30 down to 35. And Philip ran thither to him and heard him reading the prophet Isaiah and said, Understandest thou what thou readest? And he said, How can I except some man should guide me? And he desired Philip that he would come up and sit with him. And the place of the scripture which he read was this. He was led as a sheep to the slaughter. And like a lamb dumb before his shears, so opened he not his mouth. In his humiliation, his judgment was taken away. And who shall declare his generation? For his life was taken from the earth. And the eunuch answered Philip and said, I pray thee, of whom speaketh the prophet this? Of himself or of some other man? And then Philip opened his mouth and he began at the same scripture. And what did he do? He preached unto him Jesus. He began where he was at, and he took him to Jesus. Then Philip, as he, as he explained this and, and taught him this, and then eventually was baptized and Philip was caught away. That's what I call preaching. That is what Pastor White is called to do. That is what every preacher is called to do. Take people to Jesus Christ. Wherever we open the scriptures, we should be able to take them to the Lamb and show them Jesus Christ and Him crucified. That's what the church is meant to do. Present the unsearchable riches of Christ, God's unspeakable, God's indescribable gifts. So we are to preach about his indescribable birth, for example, not just at Christmas time. A lot of times we get the idea, well, we can just talk about the Christmas story at Christmas time, but all of the time we need to be willing to talk about the indescribable birth of Jesus Christ. Now, we believe not simply in a virgin birth as such, but we believe in a virgin conception. Because you see, after the child Jesus was born, Mary had many other children, and so she didn't remain a virgin for the rest of her days. His birth, Jesus' birth, was a normal process. It was his conception that was supernatural. And the angel pronounced to Mary that the child would be born, and, and she objected to that. She couldn't understand that. It was indescribable, it was unspeakable, and so she said, how can this be seeing I know not a man? And even the angel had trouble describing it, I believe. He said, that holy thing that shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. Holy thing. You see, the world had never seen anything like this before. For, for a virgin to have conceived and then give birth. His birth is indescribable. Not only his conception, but his actual incarnation. And you know what that means, right? Jesus didn't begin his existence in the manger of Bethlehem. 
This is the eternal Son of God. This is, this is the one who made the heavens and the earth. This is the one who sat at the right hand of God the Father, the one who was with God, who is God. And he was born of Mary and laid in a manger. It was he who took upon himself human flesh. And that's, what, that's why Paul said, without, controver without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God manifest in the flesh. Now, please understand today, this is what God did for you, and he did for me. And there are a lot of people that, that I've run into in my life, and I'm sure Pastor has, and others probably have heard the same thing, where people say, God has never done anything for me. Why should I come to church? He's, what has God ever done for me? <laughs> I'll tell you what he's done for you. He performed a miracle to conceive his own son in the womb of a virgin teenager to be born in flesh, not like our sinful flesh, but in the likeness of sinful flesh. It was real flesh. And yet Jesus at his birth and throughout his entire life was absolutely sinless in all things. Now, why was he sinless? Why did he take on the likeness of human flesh? That he might come to be our savior? He is God's gift to you. He's God's gift to me. That's what God has done for humanity. That's what he's done for you. People ask, well, what has God done for me? He did this. He did all of this. And we, we are to preach the, the indescribable birth of Jesus Christ. But we are also to preach his indescribable life. There has never been a life like the Lord Jesus Christ. Not only was his birth miraculous and prophesied hundreds of years before he came into this world, authenticating the Holy Scriptures, but his life was unique. I mean, think about his words. The religious Pharisees of the days, they sent soldiers to go and to arrest him, and they didn't, they, they didn't like what he was doing. That's why they sent the soldiers. Religious bodies today still don't like what Jesus Christ is doing today. They reject him. But the soldiers, they came back, and they couldn't do it. They couldn't arrest him. Now, these weren't, these weren't pansies. These, these were rough, tough, rugged soldiers, and yet they came back, and they said, we cannot do it, for never a man spake like this man. His words were indescribable. Who could ever describe the, 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 the great miscarriage of justice, the, the, the trumping up charges that were brought to the Lord Jesus Christ? His works, for example, were, were indescribable. Just think of the, the mighty miracles that Jesus Christ performed while he walked on this earth. He stilled the storm. And the disciples, they were, they were overwhelmed and they marveled at what Jesus did. And they said, what manner of man is, is this that even the wind and the sea obeys him? 
making blind eyes to see and deaf ears to hear and dumb tongues to speak and lame legs to walk and raise the dead back to life. I challenge you, was there ever a life like this life? Never. His, his worthiness was indescribable. When they brought him to be tried, even Pilate, who was no friend of Jesus, said, I find no fault at all in him. Spotless and blameless, no one could point a finger at Jesus Christ. His worthiness, and, and, and let me tell you, if there, if there would have been one iota that they could have laid at his door, they would have done it, but they couldn't. What worthiness. What wonder in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. Hundreds of years before he was even born, Isaiah said, he shall be called Wonderful Counselor. Nicodemus, a very righteous man, came to Jesus by night. And he said, we know that thou art a teacher come from God. For no man can do these miracles that thou doest, except God be with him. Let me ask you, have you trusted your life to this Jesus Christ? Don't bury your head in the sand like so many people in our world do today. You need to face Jesus Christ. You need to, to face what we preach, his indescribable birth, his indescribable life. But we also preach, above all, his indescribable death. I mean, who could ever describe the great miscarriage of justice, the trumped-up charges that were brought against the Lord, an illegal trial that was in the dead of night? And I tell you that 2,000 years, there hasn't been one public inquiry into the miscarriage of justice. The Son of God, nobody bats an eyelid, an indescribable miscarriage of justice, a crime of history. But who could describe what went on at Calvary? Oh, I know that there was a lot of spitting and blaspheming and buffeting that went on even before he got to the cross. But what about the nails in his hands and in his feet and the spear in his side? And, wh and what about what he endured when every bone came out of joint, when that cross was lifted up and dropped into its socket and he was held there sky high? Let me tell you that none of that compares to the indescribable nature of what it was for the Son of God to become the substitute for sinners. I mean, think about that. He, he was a sacrifice. He wasn't a martyr. He was a sacrifice. He was God's perfect lamb. He was the sacrificial lamb who was dying for your sins and my sins, dying in our place. And, and I know as I preach to you today that it means nothing to so many in our world. And that grieves me. But I'll tell you that it grieves the heart of God even more, that none of that means anything to them. And my prayer is that you will not leave this building this morning without a loving relationship with the wonderful Savior. And for those who are, are watching or listening to us online, that you will not turn off this program until you humble yourself before God and receive the gift of salvation.
If you have ever witnessed a solar eclipse, you know how amazing the, the darkness is in the middle of the day. But, but let me tell you that that is nothing compared to the day that our Savior died a darkness that came over this land for three hours. And whatever it means for, for every soul to bear an eternal hell, that was compressed into three hours of time, and it was laid on God's Son. Indescribable. None of the ransomed ever knew how deep were the waters crossed, nor how dark was the night that the Lord passed through ere he found his sheep that was lost. You might think you know something of love. You know, today being Valentine's Day, we talk about love. We know the love of the father and the love of a mother, the love of boyfriend or girlfriend or husbands of wife or children. It's nothing, nothing compared to the love of God for you. What Jesus went through, it's indescribable. It's unspeakable. It's unsearchable because he loves you. The eternal wrath that he endured there from the almighty God, God the Father that was poured out, the eternal wrath on the God the Son, all of the iniquity of all of us and, and all throughout the history of the world, the love of Christ displayed in his unspeakable death is beyond measure. And Paul says it four-dimensionally. He said, oh, that we could comprehend with all of the saints the breadth and the length and the depth and the height to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge. And again, I say that you might know the love of a father, a mother, a girlfriend, boyfriend, husband, wife, children, but it's nothing compared to the love that God has for you. There's no picture, there's no portrait, there's no film, there's no sermon that could ever portray the, the reality of Calvary, especially Christ's love and what he did for you in dying on the cross. The love of God, as the, as the hymn says, is greater far than tongue or pen could ever tell. And it goes beyond the highest star and reaches to the lowest hell. It's an all-encompassing universal love, and it ought to make each one of us set up. It ought to make us be wide-eyed and, and, and listen to see, see like the centurion who saw as he stood there beside the cross, truly this man was the Son of God. Do you see Jesus Christ? Do you see Jesus Christ and him crucified? There's something else we preach. We, we preach his indescribable resurrection. Do you know he was the first ever to be resurrected like he was resurrected? Certainly there were others who were raised from the dead. We know that as we've studied the Bible. Jesus himself raised others from the dead. There was the widow of, of Nain's son and Jairus' daughter and Lazarus. And what about those in the Old Testament he would raise from the dead? However, let me just say this to you. One day their families gathered again for a second funeral service to put them in the ground but not Jesus Christ. He was the first ever to rise again in the power of an endless, eternal life. What an indescribable resurrection. The reason why he lives forever is because he defeated death. He defeated sin. 
He defeated the grave, the devil himself, and now he has risen. He assures us who believe in him that we will have eternal life, and we do have eternal life the moment that we accept Christ as our Lord and Savior. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life, and he that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. That, my friend, is resurrection. We preach Christ's indescribable birth, his indescribable life. We preach his indescribable death, his indescribable resurrection, and we preach his indescribable grace. In 2 Corinthians chapter 8, and we're quickly running out of time, so I'll try to wrap this up real quick here, but chapter 8 and, uh, and verse 9, Paul says, For we know that the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, that ye through his poverty might be rich. <laughs> you see, we are not, we are not preaching works. We, we are not telling you to join a church. We are not telling you that you need to be baptized, that you need to take communion, that you need to give your money. No, we're not telling you that. We're telling you that it is a free gift and there is nothing expected of you only that you come to your senses, which is repentance, and you realize what your sin is doing to you. It's, it's taking you to hell. And you turn to Jesus Christ by simple faith alone, nothing more, and you receive the gift of eternal life. Oh, it's a wonderful grace. It's an amazing grace. Is that not what John Newton wrote when he said, amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. What an amazing grace. Uh, one more thing. Let me jump down to this one. We'll close. His indescribable return. You see, the story's not over. No matter what, what anybody says, his return is going to be indescribable. First of all, for the Christian, for the redeemed, it will be indescribable glory. Can you think about that? Paul said, the suffering of this world is not worthy to can be compared with the glory that shall be revealed in us. On one occasion, Paul even said that he was caught up into paradise, into heaven, and he heard unspeakable words, indescribable words, which is not lawful for a man to utter. Do you know what heaven? The, it's going to be like, it's, it's, going to be, it's going to be undescribable, it's going to be beyond our imagination. 1 Corinthians 2, 9, Paul says, but as it is written, I hath not seen nor ear heard, neither has entered into the heart of a man the things which God has prepared for them that love him. Are you prepared for heaven? Well, not only is it undescribable for us, but can you imagine not knowing Christ as your Savior? It will be torment. And the Bible is very clear and explicit. Revelation 14, 11 said, the smoke of their torment ascended up forever and ever, and they have no rest day or night. That's indescribable. That's what a person who doesn't know Christ as their Lord and Savior will face someday. We need a revival in our pulpits. And I thank God that we have a church and a pastor who loves the word who preaches the word and people who love to come and listen to the word. But if you don't know Christ as your Lord and Savior today, 
You have been listening to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. We hope this message was a blessing and encouragement to you. If you would like more messages, visit our website at fbcclarklake.org, where all of our messages can be downloaded for free. Also, you can subscribe to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or SoundCloud. All of our messages are available for free. If you want to keep up to date on what's going on at Fellowship, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, where you can see what's happening at Fellowship Baptist Church. If you'd like to visit us, Fellowship Baptist Church is located at 3200 Reed Road, Clark Lake, Michigan. Thank you so much for listening, and we hope to see you back here again next time.